Thank you, Phil. That was awesome, too. Good job. <laughs> Brianna Taylor is an um, awesome woman of God. She's a wife, she's a mother, and she's a dancer, and she's a praiser, and she's one of our Wednesday night small group leaders. And, and uh, She's on fire for Jesus and loves him so much, and we love her, and uh, that, that was just awesome. Thank you, Brianna, for doing that. Uh, a couple quick things I want to say before I preach. Uh, Deb and I and Kathy went to see uh, Jesus Revolution yesterday. You got to go see this movie. This is a timely movie. Uh, it's about revival. It's about the Jesus people movement revival that happened back in the late 60s and early 70s. And um, it's a great story, great movie. And it's so appropriate uh, because revivals are, are, are starting in America right now. You know, Asbury that's been in a revival uh, in Kentucky, they had a revival back, uh, several of them throughout the last hundred years, but one in 1970, right during this Jesus movement that was happening back then. So uh, I really want to encourage you to see that, support it. It's an awesome movie. It's got great actors. It's a great story, and it's all about Jesus, so it's great. Also, I want to encourage you to be here next week. I'm going to be preaching a message that's going to share some vision and some changes, and we're preaching on transition, so there's some transitions coming. I want you to be here next week to hear about that uh, because it's going to affect you and all of us, so um, that's next Sunday. Today, I want to ask you a question. Are there some areas in your life you just can't seem to understand? <laughs> I kind of thought so. You don't have to answer out loud on these, but if you feel, if you want to, you can. Uh, are there hang-ups or tendencies you can't seem to overcome? Does it seem like some invisible force is just holding you back and holding you down? Or does it seem like something or someone is stealing your blessings from God? If so, you could be dealing with what the Bible calls generational curses. Now, we're in this series called Transitions for Growth, and... This series has kind of taken a life of its own. It didn't kind of go where I thought it was going, but the, the Spirit has kind of led us through this. And I preached last week on a, getting a biblical understanding of, of curses, and, and I, I spoke on the, the original curse and, and the curse of the law and, and spoken curses. But today I'm preaching on, uh, on breaking generational curses. But I want to remind you right up front, we should not ever fear curses. Listen to me. We, listen to me. If you get anything out of this, listen to this. Fear is what gives curses power. I'll never forget back in the early days of our church, um, a lady called me. She was from Nigeria. And, uh, and people from Africa have a, a, a kind of a different understanding of curses than we do here. And they, they live in a culture sometimes that where maybe in their village or in their town there are witch doctors or medicine men or shaman or whatever they call them, and, and these people really operate in, in demonic power. I know Candy and her dad, Andy, have told me a lot about that in Liberia, where these people really do work under the power of, of, of Satan. And, and she called and told me, Pastor Joe, somebody in Nigeria put a curse on me. And, and my immediate thinking, I didn't say this to her, but I was like, so what? That's kind of what I thought. And I told her, well, you know, you don't have to fear that. You have power over that in Jesus' name. And she said, Pastor Joe, you don't understand. That person really has power. And I told her, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we need to just take authority over that and revoke it in the name of Jesus. And I prayed over her and, and did spiritual warfare. But for some reason, she seemed to put more faith in that spoken curse than she did in the written word of God. 
And as a result, a spirit of fear began to oppress her greatly. Hear me, do not fear curses or you will empower them. We don't need to fear curses, but we do know how, need to know how to deal with them. Now listen to me, a curse is the opposite of blessing. It's the absence of God's blessing. If you look up a, dic- a dictionary definition of darkness, the definition of darkness is the absence of light. Curse, to me, is the absence of God's blessing. God wants to bless us, and we have an enemy, a thief, uh, the, the, Satan. He wants to steal our blessings. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but God wants to bless us and give us life abundantly. But one of the ways the enemy tries to rob us and steal us and cheat us through life is through generational curses. Generational curses are sins of the fathers, and when we say fathers, we're not saying just men, it's ancestors, uh, men, women, fathers, mothers, passed down through the family line to the next generation and to the next generation and to the next generation, unless somebody does something about it, which is what we're going to talk about today. In Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6, God said, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers, remember that, we're going to talk about that, iniquity, upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. I'm going to explain that better in a few minutes. I just want you to know that we receive a spiritual inheritance from our parents that can include blessing and curses or the absence of blessing in areas in our lives. And this means that the the sins and the destructive Patterns of behavior that parents did not overcome can be sins and patterns of behavior that their children are more prone to commit. But I'm here to tell you today that powerful things happen when generational curses are broken in Jesus' name. When parents overcome the power of sin in their life and through, through the love of God and they pass down blessings to their children. And as believers, we do not need to live under the power of a generational curse. But in order to get out free from that, we need to recognize it. We need to know how to revoke it and how to reverse it in Jesus' name. So I'm trying to teach you a little bit today. And the first thing I want you to see is that you recognize a curse by its effects. There's a reason people grow up to be alcoholics or addicts. There's a reason people spend a lifetime in prison. There's a reason you see divorces after divorce after divorce in a family. When we see things happening in a family, the same sins over and over in the same family, that that can be an indication of a generational curse. Here's how it happens. A person repeatedly practices a sin, unrepentantly. And it becomes a stronghold in their life. They develop a weakness or a bent, an orientation towards a certain sinful behavior. That's iniquity. And that can be passed down to future generations. I want to be clear here. Everybody's accountable for their own sins. You're not responsible for the sins of your parents. They are not responsible for yours. But Lamentations 5, 7 says, Our fathers sinned and they died. Now listen, but we bear their iniquities. They sinned. They're dead and gone. But something is lingering. Something has been passed down. And it doesn't make sense unless you understand the difference between sin and iniquity. 
Biblical definitions of sin includes things like trespassing, missing the mark, falling short of God's glory, going astray. Sins are things we do or don't do that are outside the will of God. But iniquity is different. The Hebrew word for iniquity literally means to bend or to deviate from the way. So while sins are outward actions, iniquity is the inner motivation that drives people to sin. Sin is the outward fruit of an inner root of iniquity. But I love what Amos, it says in Amos 2, it says that God wants to destroy the the fruit above and the root beneath. Some of you are just dealing with fruit and you never have got to the root and you wonder why does this fruit keep growing back? You've got to lay the ax to the root. If you don't, iniquity can be passed down through generations. If you have a hard time with that, remember from last week I taught you that Adam's iniquity has been passed down to every single person who ever lived. Brianna, I told a story about you last week and you were a little kid. You need to go back and listen to my message. (laughs) Iniquity has been passed down. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sin. The curse of sin entered the world through one man, Adam. Because of that, we all sin, but we all deal with different sins. We have a different bent or twist to our sin. Some things tempt you, other things don't. And so the age-old question is, are these tendencies a result of nature or nurture? Was it your genetics or your upbringing? And I believe it's both of those things, plus the element of iniquity. And in addition to iniquity, there's the element of generational curses, sins of the fathers passed down through generations. If you find yourself saying, well, you know, that just runs in our family... That may be an indication of a generational curse. Now listen, I also believe demonic spirits can attach attach themselves and attack families. The Bible calls them familiar spirits. By the way, the word familiar, the, the root of it is family. It's relational. Familial and familiar. And there are there are spirits that listen to me that are well aware of your family's history. By the way, there are no new demons. They're the same ones that have been around the fallen angels since the beginning. They don't multiply. They don't grow. There's not more of them. There's the same ones. By the way, this isn't part of my sermon, but this explains a a lot of psychic-type phenomena. When people say, I'm conjuring up Aunt Mary or Uncle Joe or whoever, Those are familiar spirits. It's demons who are familiar with Mary and Joe, and they can come up and tell you things that only Mary and Joe would know, but the demons know because they are familiar with your family. They were there. They heard it. They've been working in your family for generations, and those familiar spirits can attack you, and you need to learn how to attack them and defeat them in the name of Jesus. But I'm talking today about generational curses. And we can see in the Bible how it's passed down. We, we can see it, for example, in, in Abraham's family. The Bible tells about a time that Abraham lied to save his life by saying that his wife was his sister. His son Isaac, it was passed down to him. He did the very same thing to save his life. The curse was passed down. But then it only got worse. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob's name literally means deceiver. 
He actually deceived his own father to steal his brother's birthright. So the curse of deception was passed down and it kept getting worse. Jacob had 12 sons. One was named Joseph. His brother, brothers hated Joseph, so they sold him into slavery. Genesis 37 says they took his coat of many colors that, that Jacob had given to Joseph. They dipped it in blood and they took it to their father saying, we have found this, liars. This elaborate deception. Do you not know whether this is your son's tunic or not? He recognized and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob mourned for his sons many days, and those 11 brothers let their father believe a lie for years that Joseph was dead when they had sold him into slavery. Listen, left to itself, a generational curse only gets worse. But praise God, this, this thing works both ways because you can reverse the curse and change the destiny of generation by passing down the blessing. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you. Can you say that? It can end with me. It can end with you today in the name of Jesus. And in Abraham's family, it ended with Joseph. His brother sold him into slavery, but God miraculously worked through Joseph in Joseph's life to make him second in command of all of Egypt. God used Joseph to, to prepare the nation for a famine and many people in the world to save them from family, including his own family, including his own brothers. His own brothers came face to face with him, didn't know it was him, and, and asked him for wheat so they could save their family from starving. And when Joseph first came face to face with them, he kind of initially kind of gave in to that generational curse and, and started to deceive him them because uh, he recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. And, and they, he was kind of playing these games with them. And for a little while, he, he followed this family's sin of, of deceiving them about who he was. But it seemed like Joseph could not do that for very long. Because he broke down and revealed himself to his brothers. Of course, they were very afraid because what they had done to him years ago. But Joseph chose to break the generational curse in his family. How did he do it? By acting in the opposite spirit. He had the opportunity to get back with them. He was ruler in the nation. He could have done whatever. He could have said, off with their heads and their heads will be off. But he acted in the opposite spirit. He refused to get back at them. He had an, a reason to be angry, a reason to be bitter, but he refused to do so. He had the opportunity to continue deceiving them, but he chose to tell the truth. Tell the truth. He had a reason to hold a grudge, but he chose to forgive his brothers who betrayed him and then trust God with the outcome. He said, you meant evil for me, but God meant good in my life. And if you're going to break generational curses, you've got to do the same thing. I know people have hurt you. I know people have wounded you. I know generational sins have been passed down, but you've got to choose to forgive those who sinned against you and then trust God with the outcome. Forgiveness is huge. Listen to me. Don't think you can stand up here today because we're going to pray at the end and just pray a prayer and hang on to stuff in your heart. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to believe I'm going to resist the enemy, but I'm not going to forgive that person who hurt me. I'm not going to forget that person who betrayed me. I'm not going to forgive that person who turned on me. I'm not going to forgive them. I'm going to hold on to them. I'm going to hold on to my pain. I'm going to hold on to my grudge. I'm going to, hold, I'm going to get back to them, at them the best I can. You hang on to that, and it will kill you. 
getting God's forgiveness, forgiving those who wronged you, asking forgiveness for, from those you have wronged. All, everything about forgiveness is key to transitioning, to growing as a Christian, to, to a mature believer, and to breaking generational curses. And, and just as Joseph reversed that curse in his family, you can reverse the curse in your, your family. But first, you've got to recognize it. Sometimes there's physical indicators, maybe chronic sickness or mental health issues, multiple divorces in your family for generations, poverty. I mean, there's, there's generational poverty that happens and, and a history of maybe suicide or untimely deaths. And, and also when there's a generational curse in your life, frustration is the theme of your life. It seems like everything is against you. There's an invisible forces holding you back everywhere you go and you can't seem to get ahead. If you feel that way, I encourage you, study your family history. When you go to a doctor the first time, one of the things they ask you is your family history. Is there a history of cancer? Is there a history of heart problems? Is there a history of blood pressure? Why do they do that? Because they know if there's a history of that in your family, there's a greater likelihood that you will have it. Likewise, in your family's spiritual history, knowing it can help you overcome generational sin. And that's what we're focusing on today. I, 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 growing up, I, I didn't know anything about anybody's sin in my family history. I thought everybody was righteous, holy, and good. <laughs> Till I didn't. No. <laughs> I remember I went on a trip uh, preaching at my parents' church in Tennessee. My mom was still alive. And they, they drove me around the countryside out there, showed me all different places, where they grew up and different places where different family members lived. And they said, well, there's old uncle, what's his name's house? And he was a drunk his whole life. And this uncle abused his wife and his children. And this uncle killed himself in this house. And hearing all these sins on that, I'll never forget it. I mean, I came back from that trip like depressed. <laughs> like, my family is messed up. <laughs> but it helped me understand some things that had happened in my family and why they had happened. And you might discover that in your family there's a history of alcoholism or divorce or sexual abuse or depression or suicide. Knowing that, you've got to know your enemy. Knowing that will help you overcome it or, or the sins of the fathers will just keep getting passed down unless you do something about it. So number one, recognize it. Number two, you break generational curses by the blood of Jesus. See, you're dealing with a blood thing. You're dealing with a bloodline thing, and it takes blood to break the power. It takes the blood of Jesus. We saw earlier that the curse of sin came to earth through one man, but the good news is that the curse of sin was defeated by one man, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Romans 5.19 says, Just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, many were made sinners, through the obedience of one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. The cross deals with the sin issues. Listen, but it also deals with iniquity. That's why Isaiah 53, a very, 5 and 6, a very familiar passage. He was wounded for our, our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every single one of us to his own way. His own way. This is the essence of sin, going your own way and doing your own thing. And the Lord laid on him, the Father laid on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. 
He died for our sins. He was wounded and bled outwardly for the outward transgressions. He was bruised, which is inward bleeding for iniquity, our inward tendencies and our generational curses. Listen, you don't have to know how these curses got into your family, but you do know the, need to know the way out. And the cross is the way out. I saw that in my own family. I know in some families, the sin of racism is passed down. I spent many of my childhood years growing up in the South, in Mississippi in the 60s, and, and that was a time when there was total, total racial segregation. I had friends who absolutely hated black, black people, hated, refused to talk to them, hated, I don't even think they had ever talked to one. No black person had ever harmed them in their life but they hated them. Where did that hateful, racist attitude come from? It came from their parents. And their parents' hatred was passed down from their parents. Nobody's born racist. You put little kids of all colors in a room, they all play together regardless of color. But hatred and racism can be passed down from generation to generation. When people grow up in an environment of hatred, they live hatred. My family has deep roots in the South. I had family members who fought for the Confederacy in the Civil War. I had family members that owned slaves. And for generations, I had family members who were racist and hate, racist who hated black people. Some of my great-grandparents that I knew were that way. What happened to change that? My grandfather... You know, my dad, his father got radically saved. Willie B. Oakley was his name. He was a dirt farmer in West Tennessee, and one night he was about to kill himself, but a light shone in his room. God showed up. God, I'm, I'm going to give you a short version of the story. Miraculously saved him, and the sins of the fathers concerning racism were broken then and there, and my parents then raised us to love everyone without prejudice. The cross broke the power of that iniquity in our lives. The blood of Jesus redeemed us from the generational curse of racism, and if you don't reverse the curse. It doesn't stop on its own. It only gets worse. And all families pass down either blessings or curses. Yale University years ago did a study on two families who lived in the 1700s. One family descended from a, an ungodly man named Max Jukes. The other descended from a godly man named Jonathan Edwards. And they did a study and followed this family tree. I know that's probably hard to see out there, but I'll tell you what it says. Uh, um, they follow this family tree for generations. Of the 1,200 Juke descendants, listen, 310 died as paupers, 150 were criminals, including seven murderers and 60 thieves. A large percentage of the women were prostitutes, but of the 1,400 descendants of Jonathan Edwards, 13 became college presidents, 65 were college professors, three mayors, three governors, three United States senators, 30 judges, 100 lawyers, 60 physicians, 75 Army and Navy officers, 100 preachers and missionaries, and one vice president of the United States from that family. And the study concluded, whatever the Jukes stand for, the Edwards family does not. Whatever weakness the Jukes represent finds its antidote in the Edwards family. 
And then they give this key that's kind of buried down in the report. The Jukes neglected all religious privileges, defied and antagonized the church and all it stands for, while the Edwards family has more than 100 clergymen, missionaries, and theological professors. I believe we see here a difference between families that pass down blessings and families that pass down curses, a family that loves God versus a family that does not, and we see effects in his life. Listen, I'm going to read you a surprising scripture you maybe have never seen. And this is from the New Testament. This is from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, 22. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, a curse be upon him. The King James says, let him be accursed. Anathema. This is New Testament. This is Paul, the grace man. Speaking. People who love God pass down blessings. People who don't pass down the absence of blessing or curses. And the good news is I want you to know you have a choice today. As Deuteronomy 30 said, I call today heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life. Choose blessing so that you and your children may live. And you have a choice today what you pass down. And if you want to pass down blessings, you've got to recognize general, generational curses. You've got to break them in the, by the blood of Jesus, and then you revoke them, lastly, by, with the word of God. Revoke means to invalidate, make null and void, to reverse. Revelation 12, 11 shows us three things required to overcome Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. We just talked about that. The word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. The blood of Jesus forgives us and redeems us from sin, iniquity, and the curse because Jesus was made a curse for us. But we've got to repent of our sins and confess our sins and the sins of our fathers. No, you're not guilty of their sins, but their iniquity is passed down. And you'll find people all through the Bible over and over, Ezra, Nehemiah, Daniel, Jeremiah said it in Jeremiah 14, 20. We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers. For we have sinned against you. Sometimes we have got to ask for forgiveness and, and plead the blood of Jesus over ancestors that we didn't even know. Plead the blood of Jesus. Then we've got to speak the word of God, the word of our testimony. Begin to speak it out verbally. Speak the word over, over, over your life and over your family and verbally break these curses off you in the name of Jesus. And thirdly, we've got to die to self. These sinful tendencies are overcome by acting in the opposite spirit. Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, if you were raised with anger in your household, sow seeds of peace in yours. If you had a lot of divorce in your family, you sow the seeds of commitment in your family. If you were raised with cursing in your household, you sow blessing. 1 Peter 3, 9 says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. You've got to start blessing others, not just the ones you like, not just the ones who bless you, and even those who curse you if you want to inherit the blessing of God in your family. That's how you do it. That takes dying to self. If you want to know what dying to self is, this is it right here. Listen, we experience the curse of sin when we're born in Adam in this sinful fallen condition. That's why we need to be born again and placed in Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is called the last Adam. Some people call him the second Adam. He's never called that in the Bible. He's called the second man, but he's called the last Adam. That's because when we're born again, Jesus is the end of Adam for us. 
Because everybody is born, the Bible says in, in Genesis, they, J- Adam's children were born in the image of Adam. That fallen, simple condition, and everybody's been, been uh, born that way since. But when we're born again, Jesus is the end of Adam for us, and he is the father of a whole new family. Listen, I'm closing with this. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, they had to cross the Jordan River. Joshua 3.15 says, As soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. I believe there's great spiritual significance of this. To enter the promised land, God had to miraculously roll the water back. He could have rolled it back just wide enough for them to walk across single file. He could have walked, done it 10, 12, uh, 20 feet wide. But he rolled it all the way back to Adam, a, a town 20 miles away. I think God is saying something to us here. Crossing the Jordan is symbolic of us coming out of bondage into freedom, out of sin into righteousness, out of darkness into light, out of Adam and into Christ. And when we're born again, God rolls everything back, not just a little way, not just a, 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 a little way, but all the way back to Adam. God cuts off that old source and gives us a new one. He cuts off everything that flows from the old source, all the sin, all the lies, all the guilt, all the shame, all the curses. We're taken out of Adam, placed into Christ, and now everything flows from that source. Jesus died to save you. Jesus died to save you from your sin. Jesus died to destroy the works of the devil in your life and today we're going to break generational curses on you and your family and future generations in Jesus name would you stand to your feet would you give me the next slide we're going to do like we did last week we're going to declare this we're going to pray this prayer and we're going to declare it together and I want you to think in your mind as we're praying this Maybe when I was preaching, something came to your mind about something in your family that's a generational curse, something that you see was passed down. You see it in your life. You see it in generations. And you want to break the power of that. We're going to break it today in the name of Jesus. I want you to pray this out loud with me. Are you ready? All right. Lord Jesus, thanks. pray it with me. Thank you for dying on the cross and becoming a curse so that I could be redeemed from every curse and receive God's blessing. Because of your finished work, I ask you to set me free from every curse that is in my life. I declare that the blood of Jesus separates me from the sins of past generations. I forgive past generations for their sin, and I ask for forgiveness for me and my family. I renounce these sins and break every generational curse that affects my life and my family. I command any evil spirits that are attached to these curses to flee in the name of Jesus. I release my family from every form of bondage in Jesus' name, and I declare that the blessings of Abraham will come upon me and my family in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord some thanks. Hallelujah. Come on, praise Him. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for setting us free. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. 
If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen, you don't even have the possibility of coming into these blessings or breaking these curses. You need Jesus in your life. Today's the day of salvation. If, you need, if you've never been born again, come on down. We want to pray with you. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you need healing, if maybe something came up in your mind as I was preaching that, wow, I need to really have agreement with somebody over that, come down and we'll pray with you. If you want to come down here and pray on your own, if you want to ask prayer for somebody else, whatever it is, we're going to sing one more song, then we'll be dismissed. But if you need prayer, come on down right now in Jesus' name.